Hey, it's Delvin. You might know me as the Dark Web from the Longbox Crusade. Yeah, let me tell you a little bit about what you're going to be listening to. This has come out to play. It's a New Warriors podcast based on the 1990s series, The New Warriors. The New Warriors ran 75 issues. And Jared, you might know him as Death Probe, possibly the yard sale artist. Jared and I are covering all 75 of these issues and we're doing it on YouTube channel. Since we have an awesome DJ and Pat Sampson, AKA DJ Cristados, he's gonna take these and he's gonna strip the audio from the YouTube recordings that we do every second Tuesday of the month, by the way, if you wanna listen there. He's gonna take those recordings and he's gonna just give you the audio recording. So if you're a little bit busy, like most people are from time to time, you have an extra opportunity to be able to just listen to the audio. So a little bit of a warning. It's going to be a little bit rough as, you know, some of the things are going to be comments and stuff that happen right in that moment. But you still get to listen to some New Warriors goodness. Have fun. And remember, New Warriors come out to play. Play, a New Warriors podcast, is streamed live in front of an internet audience. You can join in on the live stream and chat every second Tuesday of the month on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. Just search for and follow Longbox Crusade. I also turned on my fan, guys, and like now it's going too fast. So, uh, well, people get to see the shirt that um, who got me the shirt, Clinton, the the New Warriors shirt. Oh, the New Warriors Mega Man shirt. Yeah, it's oh, awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. I love it. Oh yeah, yeah. It's it is, it is a cool shirt. I yeah. want one. Yeah, a little mashup there, a little mashup action. It is it is quite cool. If only such uh, a thing really existed, right? Oh, the game we talked about game. that. Yeah. Like, yeah, like, like we imagined that like the Night Thrasher board would just be ridiculously impossible. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. new, obviously, Namorita would be like a water board, Firestar would be a fire board, Speedball would be some wacky, zany board, right? Filled with bubbles. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, it would be cool, but oh man. I guess, I guess we should start the show, right? I, I say, a, I say a thing. I'm ready. Can't ham and peanut butter today. <laughs> Jared's ready. Jason's ready. He, he's, he's clinking. And I should say, New Warriors, come out to play. All right. All right. I don't even have the script up. We, we are not prepared. B team extraordinary today. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to Come Out to Play, a New Warriors podcast. Uh, yeah, I am Delvin. Some people call me the dark web in nefarious circles. And joining me is the Nova to my night thrasher. His name is Jared Albrecht, a.k.a. the yard sale artist. Welcome, Jared. Hey, man. It's good to be back. Got my New Warriors 14. I picked up for a quarter at a Comic-Con last year. That's a shame. She wore 
three times that much. <laughs> I tell you, I told you. I think I've mentioned on the show before, but Bears repeating like that guy had a bunch. I got, I got a like maybe the first looking at it twenty issues for a quarter a pop. Man, it was a okay. bargain. Okay, I was yeah. excited to find him. That's a good run. I take yeah. it. Yeah, heck That's yeah. Good, so yeah, I, I did that. Absolutely. And, other than that, man, I'm just uh, speaking of cons. I'm getting ready to uh, get back into con life. Uh, have our my first art show, uh, not this weekend, but next weekend. So that's all coming back. So uh, be looking for me on the convention scene, kids. We do that at the end of the show, Jared. I mean, said, well, the, the script said, "What's new with you?" So I, was, I didn't, a- I didn't ask that because I didn't have the script. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot we were BTV today. <laughs> so right. I'm glad, I'm glad that you did tell me that and tell everyone that. So where are you conning you got to at least tell us that you uh, just okay that so the one at the end of the month not this coming week but next weekend it's local if you're anywhere around enterprise alabama head mm. on down to the piney woods art festival because i will that's uh that's a show i do every year because that's where i got my start that was the first show i ever did the mm. piney nice. woods art festival here at enterprise and it's a good show they get a lot of vendors so yeah if you're any if any of you folks are near enterprise alabama <laughs> there you go Nice. It is two blocks past the Ball Weevil statue. It and, is pretty much. Uh, <laughs> it is pretty much. And do you, do you do you have something to ask me, Jared? I, I do. Me? I'm supposed to come with a question every episode per the script, which I do have up. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I've decided I will do a, uh, a kind of a round robin. So, Jason, be prepared to answer this as well. Oh, okay. We'll do. I was looking. Sometimes it has to do with the comic. Sometimes it doesn't. This time it does. I was like, Sea Urchin. What a terribly lame name. Um. So what I wanted. <laughs> What to do? Cool what do you costume, really think? <laughs> lame name. What I want to do is kind of favorite lame characters. Mine, I'll just so you guys have time to think about it. Mine is probably Kite Man from the Batman universe <laughs> because I just think that's ridiculously kind of like it goes so far around ridiculous it comes kind of back to awesome. Yeah. So ridiculously lame characters or Mort's as they may be known. Uh, Delvin, what do you got? First, uh, you didn't say Stegron. He's he's a list. He's not he's not lame. He's a list. Uh, I think the first time I've heard him described that way. But okay, you know, we we all have our favorites. You know, you you, you would have you would have to tune in to some long box crusade crusader chronicles where you might hear Jared wax his love for Stegron um, way too much. If I had to guess one off the top of my head, I'm gonna. I, th- I thought Spidey foes first, even though Kite Man is funny, especially when Tom Taylor uh, brought him back. And every time, like Kite Man would come up and he go, "Hell yeah!" <laughs> <laughs> it was that was cool. But I like the Ringer. The Ringer, the Ringer. was like yeah. he was super lame. It's like I I shoot these smoke rings and yeah. What? <laughs> yes. How, it's kind of like Boomerang, right? Boomerang had all those trick boomerangs. They could all do different mm-hmm. things, but that was actually kind of cool. Whereas with the rings, I'm like, this could have taken any shape and you chose that, you know? Right. Like Boomerang had his run, especially in mm-hmm. the uh, mm-hmm. Nick Spencer run of Amazing Spider-Man that just ended um, oh, yeah. a, a few months back. So Boomerang was salvageable. Ringer, I think Nick Spencer saw that was like, nah, I'm good. Can't salvage. Everybody. I'm unfamiliar Come with on. the Nick Spencer run. I have been out of comics for a little while, but I I know Boomerang from like um oh I want to say it was like the Eric Larceny Bagley era of Amazing Spider-Man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, fun fun fact. Fun fact, Jared. That mm. would be the first issue of 
Spider-Man that Mark Bagley ever drew. Oh, ding, 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 ding. Mm. <laughs> I didn't know Boomerang. I, I think that was Amazing Spider-Man 345. Wow. I may be yep. a fan. Let's yep. pass the question. Let's pass the question of lamest villain <laughs> wait, though up to wait, wait. I got a follow-up joke, and then he can have the question. Go if for you it. Take you three forty-five of Amazing Spider-Man, and you throw it away. Comes right back. It comes back. Too, <laughs> <though>. <laughs> yeah, that was not worth the time and effort. Over to you, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will say, Boomerang was in the very first uh, Spider-Man comic I ever got. Uh, that my aunt bought for me when I was a kid. Amazing Spider-Man number 280, Spider-Man Silver Sable, and the Sandman versus the Sinister Syndicate, of which uh, Boomerang was a member. So he's one of the very first supervillains I ever read about. So he'll always have a special place. Uh, nice. Was that the cover where Spidey's in his black costume and he's looking up and it's like the heads above him? Uh, that's that the next one? one. That's the second oh. part of that story. Yeah, with the orange background and mm-hmm. Spider-Man's kind of like this, going sheesh and all their yes. heads, above, uh, yes. heads, all their names. Yeah, so cool. Yeah, that, that was, was a cliffhanger cool. ending. Uh, part one was, and I remember when that one. I saw that one on the stands, and I was so excited to see what happened. Uh, nice. Yeah, good that- stuff. So as far as like a lame uh, villain. Um, I think about, uh, I actually kind of like them, even though they're kind of lame. And that's the Death Throws, uh, led by Oddball, who is, uh, he was created to be an arch enemy of Hawkeye, and he's a super juggler. And he, speaking of guys that throw stuff that like do various things, like really smoke, explode, whatever, his stuff happened to be uh, these like juggling balls. And he was on his own at first, and then they had a team called the Death Throws that had five of these guys that all juggled something different. No. Uh, There's a guy that juggled bowling pins, there's a lady that no, juggled bombs, no. and a guy that juggled rings, actually, who was not the ringer. He was like nope. the ring leader, I think his name was. Uh, so. <laughs> This Super is all juggler. made up. All they made up. <laughs> they are real, believe me. <laughs> See, before we came on, I told um, Jason that this was a uh, relatively PG show. So, I mean, as soon as you said juggling various things, in my mind, the idea of what I said was challenged mightily. <laughs> Hmm. You notice I steer not. clear, you know, I was like, I'm going to take it this way. <laughs> Otherwise, that's, I know what they're going to do. <laughs> that, that said, Innuendo is very PG-13. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I played my cards right there. And I should probably introduce that we have a guest here that you've already heard from. And I, I did some looking up on your Twitter profile because I didn't want to just introduce you by name. Uh the, on the Twitter profile, it shows that he is the author of Monster Problems and Super Problems from Black Rose Writing. I am, it's actually. Jace, it's Jason Lady. Welcome to the show, Jason. Here are my books. Thank you. It's really good to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Uh, you've already been an awesome guest, and I have two questions that I ask any new person to the podcast. The first one being, what was your introduction to the New Org? Sure. Uh, so as I mentioned, uh, I was collecting uh, comics from a young age, probably uh, maybe third grade onward. Uh, my aunt got me that issue of Amazing Spider-Man that I mentioned, and the rest was history. Something that was kind of unusual is that my dad and I collected comics together, uh, which I understand. Oh, that is awesome. Yeah, I've learned that that is actually not the norm. <laughs> I kind of took it for granted uh, when I was a kid, but most parents were disapproving or indifferent, right, to uh, comics as a hobby. Uh, my dad was into it. Uh, he was right there with me. And 
we were mostly into like X-Men, X-Factor, New Mutants, all the Spider-Man comics, Avengers, Cap. And, you know, we were collecting those pretty faithfully, probably from 1986 onward. So by the time 1990, right, when New Warriors uh, came out, we were Marvel junkies. You know, we weren't much into DC. It was pretty much about the Marvel comics for us at that point. And I remember seeing it on the newsstand, which was unusual because by that point, we had a local comic shop that we actually uh, went to uh, to get our comics. But I was visiting my grandmother in Indiana, went to a drugstore. There was a spinner rack. I didn't encounter those very much growing up. And Mm -hmm. New Warriors number one was on the spinner rack. And what was intriguing to me was I recognized some of these characters, like from like the Marvel handbook and stuff like that. Um, Mm -hmm. But I didn't really know much about them. And it was a number one issue. So you can think about the era when I started collecting comics, like Amazing Spider-Man was on number 280. The Avengers mm-hmm. were on number like 200 something, you know, everything was like a triple digits. And I was like, this is a chance for me to get on the ground of something, of a series. Yeah. And that's what was kind of exciting about it. You know, these unknown characters who I didn't know much about and can learn about. And then two, it's a number one of something. I think the only other series like that for us was Excalibur, um, where you got to start with number one and go onward. But that had pretty established characters in it. These were characters in New Warriors that not not really much had been done with them. And Night Thrasher was a brand new character. Uh, so we just started collecting them. And I collected uh, New Warriors all the way up through uh, number 51 when I went to college. And <laughs> comic collecting fell off because uh, there was little money <laughs> at that point. Mm-hmm. So that's my history with uh, New Warriors, but uh, but loved it. And I think part of it, too, was uh, they were young heroes. And I was a middle schooler slash teenager. So these were kind of, kind of in my age group, kind of uh, yep. you know, young people. And you could uh, look up to them in terms of their attitude, in terms of the things they were going through. They had lots of angst, you know, teenagers have lots of angst. Uh, When I purged my comic book collection uh, a few years ago, I was sure to keep that run of New Warriors. And I actually still have my original issue that we're going to talk about tonight. I got this right off the shelf at the comic book store back in the day. I still have it to this day. Me too, sir. We're all all showing off our Warriors bling. They're very, very nice. Uh, Real quick before I ask you the second question, we had a couple people chime in about the villains. Uh, the first one was uh, Scott O'Neill, who was saying, uh, we was talking about Boomerang uh, and Amazing Spider-Man, where he's right. But I'll read the comments since this will go to podcast form. He says, Boomerang was uh, one of my first body comics as well. He annoyed me because I kept wanting them to get back to the cardiac plot line. Yeah, cardiac is a villain no one really cares about. Could have used him as a lame one. He was a <laughs> doctor with a, st- you know what, never mind. Uh, let's see. And a comic foil, welcome to the show. A comic poll says, lame villain, the Nova villain, the Condor. You could take out the Condor and replace it with pretty much literally every other Nova villain, with the exception of the Sphinx, because the Sphinx made quite of the run uh, in other books, too. Uh, And Scott chimed in also talking about Speedball, saying that uh, his run had a couple of uh, or a few cringeworthy uh, heroes or excuse me, villains such as the human rat, the bug-eyed voice, aliens who were cats, the, the sticker who used magnetic glue but somehow <laughs> is not the trapster. <laughs> Interesting. The- when you open yourself up to be clowned by the trapster, <laughs> a.k.a. Pace Pot Pete. You're right. a lamer version of the trapster, <laughs> right? Yeah. You're right. the B-team Pace Pot Pete. That's, that's man. I, I remember uh, there was an issue of Spec Spidey where the Trapster he didn't he didn't quite hand Spider Man his butt but Spider Man got cocky and and he, and he actually called him in a trap and Spidey was like ooh 
<laughs> Yikes. Wait, second second question before I forget, uh, okay. Jason, would be, what would be your ideal New Warriors lineup? Okay. Wow. I should have prepared you for these, but... No, that's all right. I could think on my feet. It's actually something I've thought about recently and, uh, you know, preparing for the podcast and, um, you know, just thinking back on New Warriors. And I don't think anything beats that that eight-person lineup that they had at one point. You know, I know there's lots of other New Warriors that came later, and I'm not as familiar with them, uh, you know, like Hummingbird and Bolt and people like that um, that came along later on. But that original eight that was like Mike Thrasher, Firestar, Nova, Justice, Rage, Silhouette, um, speedball. Who am I missing? I'm missing the eighth person. Who's Rage? Who's Hummingbird? What's going on here? <laughs> uh, don't, don't, don't worry about it. Uh, just wait a few more months, Jerry. Uh, <laughs> the poster on my wall, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. We have Rage, Speedball. Oh, name Marita. Name Rita, which, duh, geez, we're going to be talking about a comic that uh, stars her uh, tonight. And actually, I have my issue right here. I could have just looked at the corner box. And then, <laughs> you know, don't expect me to do the smart thing, though. <laughs> we, we are going to be talking about her, and that is an excellent transition, and I'm going to take it. Come Out to Play is a chronicling of the 1990s series, The New Warriors. The first volume of New Warriors ran 75 issues. Jared and I will cover all this first volume as I rediscover my love for the series, help Jared find his and share our love and joy with the listening audience. So grab your skateboards and your bucket helmets. It is time to play. We're covering New Warriors issue 14, which we may have mentioned a time or three today. And the cover credits go to Mark Bagley and Larry Malstead. And Jared's going to bring it up before I come back from the script. I just know it. And we're going to talk about it there. We're going to let our guests talk about it first. Jason, what do you think of the cover? Sure. Uh, I like, uh, I do like this cover. Um, I like the old school kind of floating heads. Uh, we mentioned floating heads earlier. You got some on this cover. Uh, you've got a uh, dark Hawk and Namor kind of in their circles there, uh, their names and their own like titles, logos there, uh, as guest stars. So it kind of draws your eye like, Oh, if you're a dark Hawk or a Namor fan, you might pick this up. And I like the, the red of sea urchins armor and the red of the title, because against kind of the murkiness of like the water and being in, you know, the water being in the background, the red really pops. And I like that. And, you know, pretty good portrait there of Namorita being in peril. Uh, you know, not a great situation. You wonder what's going to happen to her. And, you know, sea urchin actually looks like he would actually be a fun action figure, <laughs> you know, uh, like one of those, that you could clip different parts on and stuff and, uh, you know, put different uh, gadgets and guns on them and things like that. So you're kind of intrigued and wondering what's going on here. So those are my thoughts on the cover. Nice. What you got, Jared? Um, the first thing that struck me about the cover <clears throat> is that it is 1991 because that Namor book is on the shelf right now <laughs> and that Darkhawk book is on the shelf right now. Yeah. And I really feel like they were like trying to get that synergy, like, it's kind of neat that we've watched New Warriors go from, let's get Wolverine on the cover. Let's get Punisher on the cover. I think at this point, New Warriors was probably selling pretty good. And they were probably mm -hmm. like, okay, let's let's get the synergy going. Let's get some of our other books that came out around this time. Some of this New Warriors synergy. So Dark Hawk, which is the name of that character, goes on yes. the cover. Yes, Dark Hawk. Hawk. And yes. Namor goes on the cover. To both of those series, by the way, I'm going to, I, I'm going on a tangent, so just ride along with me. Both of those series, by the way, I have just discovered really over the course of the last year, 18 months or so, um, Delvin, I think, brought a dark 
Hawk to Crusade. Maybe it was two years ago. Yes, and Dark peak, Hawk. Yes, Hawk. Yeah, uh, it piqued my interest, and I've um, been working on getting a full run of Dark Hawk ever since, and I'm getting pretty close. And I also just stumbled into some Namor of this era. Um, at the time, I kind of passed on. I was like, just not that interested in Namor. But then I found out that Jay Lee did a lot of the art in the Namor book. And I'm a Jay Lee fan. So I went and picked up some of that. And I'm really enjoying Namor. So it's like a lot of things are coming together for me on this cover. And, I, and, and the funny thing is, is that's happening for me now. And I think that was the intent of what they were doing in 1991 was to bring all three of those things. Kind of Those are the books that they're trying to lift up. Mm-hmm. So that's my first thought. Then I look at Sea Urchin, and my second thought is Bagley, much like most artists I know, including myself, does not like to draw tech. <laughs> it, is not, it, is, it is not his strong suit. He doesn't want to do it. I'm not saying it's a bad drawing, but it's a little murky. It's not crisp for tech, but gets away with it if it's underwater. And eh, so you don't need the Christmas, the, the crispness. Celebrated the 25th of every December. The crisp, Christmas. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Um, you don't do. need that in an underwater, underwater scene. So, um, yeah, Nay Marita looks great. The little head headshots, just like Jason said, are very, very welcome. Um, you know, a little bit old school, but a little bit of fun. So that was a long rambling answer to say cover is good. And see, I'm probably the boat anchor here. And, and Jason, I think I may have mentioned it once or time twice on the new warriors page. I mean, Bagley's my dude. And I, I don't know how much more he could have done with the cover. And I'm not the hugest fan of sea urchins costume. It, it, to me, it just kind of looks like a steampunk nightmare kind of thing going on. Like, it's just like, but I mean, I could imagine that something that would probably have, you'd have to have something that big and bulky to go into the ocean depths as an ordinary human. I do understand it. I just don't think it's a cosmetically pleasing or excuse me, aesthetically pleasing costume. It just doesn't quite do it for me. I do kind of like the bubbles, though. I mean, it shows how Namor looked at the time. They were having him be more businessman like and calm as opposed to the, you know, angry SOB that he is now. And then, you know, Dark Hawk's always just a a cool character, Dark Hawk. Um, And it showed Namorita in peril. So there was that. There were some good elements to it, but I know that there are going to be some better covers. So like, it's not an exaggeration to say that this, to me, is probably the worst cover that Bagley has drawn so far. But like, that's almost saying like, you know, the worst dunk that Jordan ever did. Like, I mean, if it went through the basket, it was something to see. Ooh. <laughs> I just made a really good analogy <laughs> and didn't even. That wow. was good. That was really good. Thank <laughs> you. I, I, oh, man. Wow. Okay. Uh, that, that a, a was few deep. The... I, let me get to pause for a moment and just reflect on that. <laughs> in the meantime, I had to give a shout out to the most important person that entered the chat, which is uh, the Dame Deborah Smith now in the chat. Absolutely. Hey, mom. And a few comments about the cover. Uh, Scott says it's surprisingly gory for a 1990s cover with the two spikes in her arm and leg and the streams of blood oozing out. I wonder if that's why they made the blood a bit more pink than red. Maybe. And that's a good catch on uh, the spikes and kind of um, related to what's going on in the cover. Let me scroll up and see if I missed I'm not going to lie while you're scrolling, Delvin. I didn't notice the spikes until I read that comment. Same. I didn't I even have, notice them. <laughs> and then, this no. comic for... I saw his comment in the chat and I went, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, where are those? I was in ninth grade i think and i've never noticed the spikes <laughs> <until this laughs> oh, so uh, yeah wow 
This is a humbling yep. moment. <laughs> and he also adds, uh, Bagley did a great job on Darkhawk's helmet outside of Mike Manley. No one else did justice to that helmet design in the early years of the character. Yeah. Mike Manley drew a really good Darkhawk. He was just gritty. And Bagley's talent, of course, he's just really good at you know all of them. Uh, a comic foil mentions, don't love Sea Urchin's armor so much. Too robotic looking, but the murky clouds rolling up and the coral outcropping makes uh, great framing pieces. And with that, we should rate the cover. On Come Out to Play, we rate covers on a scale of 1 to 10. Uh, 1 being the lowest, 10 being the highest. Uh, we use uh, nightsticks as the measure. Uh, I will one day bring out dictionary.com and let Jared see the meaning of the word truncan. Jason, what would you rate the cover 1 to 10? Uh, let's see. I don't think, you know, to your point, I don't think it's the best that New Warriors has ever had. Definitely not the best that Mark Begley's ever done. I also don't think it's a bad cover either. I'll probably put it somewhere near the middle top. I will give it, say, six uh, Eskrima sticks. I think you call those Eskrima sticks. <laughs> I, I do know Eskrima sticks, yes. Eskrima, thank you. Thank you. A word I've never had to say out loud until now. I've only read it in comics and only read it in Night Thrasher comics. So I say I give it a six. Nice. Thank you. I'll I'll jump ahead. I, I'm at a six, too. I agree with you. That's when I looked at it. I first thought was like, is it Bagley? And I'm going to ever rate a Bagley cover lower than a five? <laughs> no, absolutely not. And uh, and the Dark Hawk uh, was good. Dark Hawk. And Namor was good for his time. And especially that extra detail uh, with Namorita. There were good elements to it. What do you think, Jared? Oh, I think uh, you'll see in the chat, the ladies of our, our chat are quite taken with it. And there's nothing wrong with that. I, I was actually thinking six as well before anybody said anything. I thought it was going to be the big bummer today. Um, but like you guys said, it's a, it's a Bagley six. So it's like, it's not like six. It's like eh, six. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Bagley yep. six is better than lots of other people's sixes, right? Yep. Absolutely. Um, welcome to the chat, Tony, as well. And Big Easy. I saw Big Easy come in. Really appreciate you stopping by. Uh, and the ladies, uh, MVP Kathy Bright gave it an eight, said makes her want to know more. And Courtney gave it a nine, said it's the artwork. So we got, we have some fans of the artwork. What, what's, what's Big Easy doing in the chat? What's he, what's he doing? He's taking it, Big Easy. Yeah. What is this? What network am I on? But I mean, he he's been away from a while. He's relatively new. We'll take it easy on it. Yeah, we'll we'll take it easy on him. Like uh, we uh, don't do halvesies around here because um, that's not the podcast we are. Only one person can do that on our uh, network, and that's Joe Thomas. In any event. Oh, yeah. We have some more stuff to read before I get to my synopsis. But I did bring the script up. That's how I know it. it it's Jared's turn. He's going to give us the credits for this issue. Yes, I am. And here are the credits for this issue as we get them from Mike's Amazing World. This is uh, New Warriors 14, in case you didn't get that the first 20 times we said it. It's on sale June 25th, 1991. It's cover dated August of 91. Its cover price is just $1. The story is Fabian Nicieza. The pencils are Mark Bagley. The inks are Sam De La Rosa. Colors are Andy Yankus. Letters, Joe Rosen. And the editor is Danny Finger Roth. Delvin, is it synopsis time? Or do you got anything else we need to catch up with in the chat? Uh, we just had a few more scores come in. Big Easy finally settled on a seven. Um, Tony Pennington adds, anytime Darkhawk appears is a good time. I appreciate him separating the words dark and hawk. Yep. 
And Scott added that uh, the sea urchin costume looks like what Kool-Aid man would look like if he were assimilated into the phalanx. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And a, First a comic four rated a six as well. I'm sorry. I, I talked over you, Jason. What did you say? I was going to say, it needs to be shown bursting through a wall like Kool-Aid man. Sea <laughs> yeah. urchin smash. <laughs> All right. And now it is synopsis time. The title of this book is The Breeze of an Underwater Wind. The main plot point would be Namorita took one of the biggest L's you're ever going to see a superhero take in a conventional comic book at the hands of Sea Urchin. And if you think about it, Namorita also made probably the biggest tactical error leading up to that monumental L that she took. Did I mention the L? Monumental. In any event, she got in her fifis about it and got into some battle armor that was supposed to be designed for murder, but she just couldn't do it. Oh yeah, there are other new warriors. Firestar Marvel Boy went out on a date and Silhouette Night Thrasher gave Nova one heck of a present. And with that, we're going to talk about the book, uh, some highs and lows, some discussion points. Jared, we can let you lead it off with your pictures because I know you brought an image or two. I did. And we can just uh, go around the table talking about it from there. All right. I'll bring up the first of seven images I brought with me today. I brought with me this image, Dark Hawk. Mm -hmm. uh, coming up uh, with, against or with or meeting Namorita and Speedball. And in classic, classic comic book form, we got to fight. Fight. <laughs> fight. Put them up. Put them up. I don't know All who right. it is, so I gotta fight him. <laughs> I gotta give some pro like interestingly enough, and and we'll get Jason's take on this uh this scene in this moment in just one second. But interestingly enough, I want to talk about the art for a minute. I mean, that uh dark hawk pose is really cool. And uh but the minute I opened this book, I knew something was different, and it's Molstead missing Sam LaRosa on it. And I'm not saying that's necessarily a downgrade, like the inks that Sam put down on that dark hawk are pretty good <laughs> and so mm -hmm. it's really cool and i think we've seen sam step in for larry once before in this run and uh and i just think that's just a wonderful thing that uh you've got larry malstead who's like the guy for bagley on this book and then you pinch hit with sam de la rosa and although it's different it's still really good so just artistically i wanted to, to mention that and then we can see what Jason thinks of the story element or the art or whatever you got on this, Jason. Yeah, sure. I agree. It's a great dark Hawk pose. I love his tough guy dialogue. Drop it now, girl, or I drop you. And I like Namorita's response to him. Who in the name of flipper are you? <laughs> <laughs> Just the, the dialogue is good. And uh, his response to that, call me your worst nightmare. Call me dark Hawk. It's great comic book posturing. I love it. Um, you know, to your point, his pose is good. I do like the bottom panel there with all the speed lines. You know, obviously that's there mm -hmm, for effect. Mm -hmm. They aren't really there. Um, none of it is really there, of course. But uh, that really uh, brings forth just you know the speed that she's got, that she's flying at him, and he better watch out. 
uh, what's happening here. Um, something that struck me about the beginning of this too was this unusual pairing of Neymarita and Speedball. You never really see these two go off as a pair and do something together. And I wondered why it was and why the others weren't there. And then I realized there is a little bit of dialogue that says that the others are all kind of weirded out from their experience with the um, alternate Egyptian dimension uh, story mm-hmm. that they just went through. And uh, they decide to leave them alone and just do this just the two of them. So it helps to explain why they might be a little under uh, undermanned, underpowered uh, for this mission that they're on. Yeah, I like that mention because it, of course, just very, very quickly and succinctly brought up the last three issues, which were important and definitely would be a reason that the main players who, you know, the main four uh, original new warriors uh, were all involved in and how it shook them up. So I like that. And it was a good start to the action as well. Dark Hawk, man, yeah, that's a great picture. Like, if I were Manly, who were drawing Darkhawk at the time and had to have the most experience drawing Darkhawk, and you got Bagley on another book drawing them like this, like, hey, 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 you, you need to <laughs> calm down, man. Like, this is this is my dude. They might fire me. this. <laughs> you guys so, uh, yeah. brought up an interesting point, too, that, that another reason why I took a picture of this uh, page and forgot to mention was just what Jason mentioned, that um, Speedball named Rita and the carryover from the last three issue story arc because if you remember del one of the things i, I kind of complained about was there's no speedball no name rita and i really felt like at this point they were like trying to make it up to us you know like mm-hmm. yeah they haven't been yeah. in the limelight in a while so here they are type of a deal and you're probably right about that because i mean it was an action-packed story that three-part storyline but you're right uh name marita or um speedball they weren't in it very much they they appeared but i mean very brief appearance mm-hmm they were involved in the main story. Yeah. You said seven, so we better get cracking, Jared. We try not to keep this too long. Right, but... right, right. I just gave you a little window there in case you want to pull anything from the chat. I haven't been watching the chat. I've been watching the... the, the oh, yeah. Uh, we, we have a few comments. Uh, just uh, <laughs> a very funny comment by Tony who said... He may be a C-list villain, but damn that that diving suit man isn't an A-plus barber. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that. I got a screenshot we, for that. <laughs> we we will get to that. Um, Courtney was just saying that, you know, starting off with a bang, that she loves it. You know, picturing Namorita versus uh, Darkhawk. Uh, Scott mentioned uh, basically kind of what we said. I love how this issue really centered Speedy and Nita after they were largely absent from the Forever Yesterday storyline. And uh, Big Easy just chimes in in general that mentions that Night Thrasher was uh, the best new warrior, which why <laughs> that could probably generate uh, <laughs> some big discussions there for sure. So go for it, Jared. Next. All right. Uh, Next up is Ooh. the brief appearance we get of Nova, Night Thrasher, and Silhouette, all in their civilian identities. And they're like, hey, we've got this gift for you. And I. I guess it's a retro Nova sweatshirt or I was, it didn't have the impact on me that I think it was supposed to. I, I was like, oh, oh, okay. Like they made a big deal. out of it. I was like, is that just like the original Nova costume? Is that what they've given him? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Okay. Like I don't understand why that's a big deal. Um, maybe fans were clamoring to see him in the old costume or I don't know. I, I don't think it's bad. I was just like, okay. Well, fans usually do clamor to see folks in their original costume, provided that original costume was cool and good looking. So I'll I'll let Jason talk. Jason, what do you what do you have to say on that and, or any other subject? 
Sure. Uh, so to that point, uh, fans were clamoring for him to be back in his gold and okay. I guess blue uh, costume that it is. Uh, people hated the red costume. They hated that he was going by Kid Nova. He had a lot of old school Nova fans, of which I wasn't one. Nova was a little bit before my time. I knew who he was, but that was about it. But all these folks were uh, complaining, you know, hey, bring him back to uh, his, his classic look, his classic attitude and his classic name. And so this was actually a big deal that uh, he gets this costume and, you know, his old costume. But also it's a big deal, too, from the standpoint of character development of Night Thrasher, because you've gone from Night Thrasher starting the series out dangling Rich Rider off the roof of a building, dropping him, almost killing him if his powers hadn't kicked in, just treating Nova like a jerk. And coming to this point where Night Thrasher is approaching the situation like apolog- you know, he's apologizing, he's more humble, and he's even giving a gift uh, to, uh, to Rich Ryder here. Um, so this is a pretty significant milestone for Night Thrasher. I think you guys mentioned in some of the earlier podcasts that he is a character just eaten up by anger and pushes everybody away from him, treats everybody like dirt. And he's really coming around to the fact that this team is becoming kind of like a family to him and that he needs to start uh, treating them well. So this is a big deal. Um, I'll also say, too, that this scene starts out with them. uh, There's a caption that says that they're actually at the mall. So you want to talk about things that you realize about a comic you haven't read in a while. So I was reading this in preparation for this podcast, and I noticed that for the first time, that they're at a mall food court (laughs) in this scene. I thought for years that they're they're at a restaurant altogether. And no, they're actually at the food court at the mall out in the open <laughs> doing this transaction, talking about this. So, sounds delicious. I thought that was fun. I know, so many choices too. Something, All right. Something for everybody. So, <laughs> those are my thoughts on that page. Nice. Uh, yeah. Uh, I think Jason said any and everything that I could. So I'm actually happy to move on. Uh, let's, let's bring up a couple of uh, comments. Scott mentions Uh, My sense is that this was a peace offering to the 70s Nova fans who were pissed that Nova's personality was a lot different in New Warriors compared to the 70s one. That way, he at least looked the same. Um, And Mm. Big Easy just happens to mention, uh, speaking of fans, Hasbro put out a classic-looking Nova figure that was a Walgreens exclusive, hard to get, and some folks were losing their minds trying to get it. Uh, A comic foil was just happy that it was the original costume and also mentions that yeah uh, at the time people really were clamoring for it interesting uh, so. interesting i you know with my fresh eyes it hasn't bothered me one bit but i but i get it you know if you were a nova person okay i track now like it, it makes more sense to me so i get the i'm the odd man out on this one and i uh, appreciate y'all kind of catching me up with the vibe of the time it makes total sense now i'm hoping jared that your next uh screenshot is going to be going backwards because we missed out on a pretty big fight scene. <laughs> they rarely go backwards. <laughs> in this case, uh, no fight scene here. <laughs> yeah, be, be, before we go to that, like, because I, I was skipping through the book, there was an enormous fight scene and pivotal between Namorita and Sea Urchin. I, I think we got to pass that around at least once. Uh, Jared, do you want to say anything about that fight scene? Did you have any comments on that? Um, Hmm. Other than, let's see. First thing comes to mind. Uh, pretty brutal. Uh, name rated took took a. Uh, let me look in the script. Monumental L <laughs> there from the sea urchin. And I think what was like the worst part about it is obviously you feel bad for her. It's it's hard to watch any any 
person, let alone woman like that, just just get bludgeoned and um, degraded, cutting her hair off like that, you know, kind of degrading her in that way. It was hard to watch. And then a part of you is like, she really didn't do herself any favor. She, she kind of went full Namor and like just went off of emotion. She didn't like plan a tactic. She like, if I remember correctly in the story, it's been a couple weeks since I read it, but I, I think he was like, by the letter of the law, not doing anything wrong. And and she stepped into his space, which is something the New Warriors have done a couple of times now, I've noticed. You know, they go up against guys who, who are like bad guys, but by the letter of the law, they're not doing anything wrong. You know, so it's like a, it was a weird situation. You definitely feel bad for her, but then part of you is like, you didn't think that through too well. Um, so those are my overall thoughts. I'll pass it. Yeah, no, same. It was it was hard to read at the time. I remember, uh, you know, when I was a teenager, it's hard to read now. Um, I mean, Namorita is a very likable character. Um, you know, you got you can't help but like her attitude, the you know, her her spunk, um, you know, just the the way she doesn't, uh, you know, take any guff from anyone. And uh, I've always thought that she was a cool character. And to, to see her, uh, you know, get beaten up so badly is really tough. Um, what's interesting about this scene, it does start out with her. She's flying, approaching the boat. And she says that mother boat is loaded with dredging and salvage equipment. She's thinking to herself and she says, let's do it. The thrasher method. So it's almost mm. like she took a page from night thrasher's mm, book. Good where point. I'm just dive right in without really thinking things through. And it doesn't work out very well for her. So you can kind of see in another part of this comic, night thrasher changing his ways in terms of how he approaches other people. And you can kind of see here where, yeah, this tactic didn't work out very well. And maybe if thrash had, <laughs> you know, changed his person out, you know, became a different person uh, earlier, maybe she wouldn't have picked up a bad uh, habit from him. Um, but that's kind of what happened here. The only thing that I really want to add is, and I mentioned it in my synopsis, why didn't Namorita swim that entire time? Had, had she gone on a 10-mile swim, being Atlantean, she would have popped up on that boat fully powered. She flew the entire time. And as soon as she jumped on the boat, Sea Urchin like, flash fried her and deprived her of all her moisture. And she was, at that point, just completely putty in his hands. And that was the first thing I thought. She's like... Man, I've flown ten miles. I'm tired. It's like you, you, you didn't have to fly. You <laughs> yeah. were over. You were over water, and you're an Atlantean. What I'm were you sure thinking? They, I'm sorry. I don't mean to interrupt you, Delvin. Go for um, it. I'm pretty sure they make a point later that oh, I'm stronger in the water. And I had that thought too, rereading it for the podcast. I'm like, it's almost like they had her make a really dumb decision so that the deck would be stacked in favor of sea urchin. It's not really fair, you know, to her. It's like the writer made her do this. It wasn't something that made sense for her, you know, oh. to do this. Do to, that, to that point, Scott mentions uh, she's always been the one calm and in control to the point of the series of all the characters. She's the last one you expect to see completely helpless and out of control. And she was both out of control and helpless. Uh, in in that scene. And they set it up. Speedball tried to jump out to the boat, missed, had to swim back, and had a funny exchange with uh, Dark Hawk. And then she flew out 10 miles to find the smaller boat or, or docking with the bigger boat and runs into um, Jeremy Running Bear, is his name, uh, the sea urchin. And then she catches a beating. And it was one of those beatings it's going to be used a few months from now to the same effect where it was so bad of a beating that they didn't even show the beating. They just showed the aftermath of it. They showed Sea Urchin doing some swings, but they 
didn't show the like, actual beating of what was happening to Namorita. It was probably for the best because, oh my goodness. Definitely um, got vibes of the 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 way it was laid out, of the way the Joker beat Jason Todd with the crowbar. Yeah. That still that, yeah. my nightmares. That's a good <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Almost just what they don't show you, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's that's a good horror trope, right? My, fo- where... my follow-up question is when he f- he flash fried her. Do you think that smelled delicious? So, Jared, <laughs> uh, could could you please move on? What, yeah, what, well, we've got this page this? here. Unless you have yeah. any pertinent comments uh, about anything else, uh, we've got my, <laughs> my next oh, page. Go for it. Oh, okay. Well, I'll say this much, and because it does tie into the overall story. Uh, Scott adds, the flying rather than swimming does tie into the story a bit. She's not sure where she belongs. She's torn between the two worlds, so flying, something a surface dweller would do, might reflect that. Uh, so with that, go ahead, Jared. All right, I clearly selected this next one because we, we only get a few glimpses of what's going on with the other heroes, which is why I selected the, the food court one previous. And now we have sort of the blossoming romance between Firestar and um, Dr. McCoy. Here. Oh, wait, that's not Dr. McCoy, that's Max Astrovic. <laughs> Looks like Dr. McCoy in that center panel. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I thought that was kind of neat. I, I, you know, she's got the overprotective father. Uh, he, he rides a motorcycle, which kind of almost like she said, doesn't really go with his personality. Like you'd expect Night Thrasher to hop on a bike, right? You, you'd expect Vance to pull up in like a, a Volvo or something very safe and conservative, you know. But uh, I just thought it was a charming scene that's sort of building something that everyone's hinted at. Remember, this is my first time through the book. So I get to see the blossoming romance. Yeah, I'll add uh, the thing. The one thing that made me smile, and, and if you know anyone that's been in a relationship for any period of time, or for that matter, even just had that infatuation phase, like you, you know that you're kind of you know falling for somebody when you even like the idiosyncrasies they do, the little dumb things. It's like, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, my, my conservative dude riding a motorcycle for conservative reasons. Oh. <laughs> so it's like, oh, boy, she's yeah. trying to fall for him. So. <laughs> Jason, what do you got? Yeah, I, I do like that moment um, with the motorcycle. It, it is incongruous with who Vance is, but it also shows us things about his character, the way they explain it, uh, you know, just kind of reinforcing that, yeah, this is a guy who's very calm, very careful, does things for very practical reasons. Um, I do like the I do like that the new warriors each have kind of a supporting cast of characters. You know, you have Firestar's dad, you have Speedball's parents, you have Nova's family, Night Thrasher has cord and tie so on and so forth. Um, I do like the glimpses we get here of Firestar's dad and, you know, just how he's doing his best to just intimidate Vance. And it's working pretty well. Um, yep. I like, you know, you're not going to take her back to the dorm room, are you? And he's like, no, you know, I commute from home. I don't live at the dorms. You know, <laughs> he's just like freaked out. You know, we've all been there to some extent or another, <laughs> being terrified by our significant other's uh, father. And uh, the this this was a good page. It was very real, very charming, and uh, you know a situation that we've all been in. Like I said, and you're not wrong. He does look like Doctor McCoy. McCoy. It's not just the haircut. It's also that blue shirt. It's the blue shirt. <laughs> yeah. It's like Doctor McCoy's having a conversation with the brawny paper towel man. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and Jean Grey. And yeah. Jean Grey is there as well. Yeah. <laughs> the crossover that uh, no one asked for. Yeah. yeah, I love how like in comics, like even the dad. 
looks like he's just jacked. Like he could go fight side by side with Captain America tomorrow, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He okay. did look pretty jacked. Like, yeah. hey, like, you can see why you're scared of him, right? Even though if you have telekinetic powers. <laughs> go for it. Uh, Jared, uh, next screenshot, please. All right, sir. I have selected the moment where uh, he dons the, for lack of a better word, revenge armor. I don't remember what it's called. The Atlantean revenge armor, which is just ridiculous <laughs> in so many ways. Like, it's very, very pastel-y. It's, uh, I don't know, like, I don't know. It's just, it, it just seems over-designed to me. It's, it's got so much going on. I, I don't know. I don't know about that design choice. Now, if this is some sort of armor that's appeared in past, you know, it's back in Submariner 1965, you know, they okay. But if this was like a design decision, this is like, whoo, this is very nice. It looks like, remember Hypercolor shirts? It looks like they made this armor. <laughs> like, uh, that was their whole thing. It's like it's spiky and it's got claws and it's, it's so much going on. I, I, I I like the concept of the revenge armor, but this execution just seemed odd. Like it, I think what it is, it, it seems very very tailored for her. Like does every Atlantean have revenge armor? Because can you imagine Namor wearing this? Because I just can't. Like it's it just it wouldn't it just wouldn't work for him for some. I don't know. I'll stop talking. Thoughts on this design choice? What do you think, Jason? Yeah, I've never been a fan of this suit. I think that they're trying to here, and maybe in future issues we'll see this, but they're trying to, you know, give her a new costume, a new look. I think just about every new warrior has gone through an appearance change at some point, or they will. An artist put their stamp on this book. And this is a little bit of a misfire. I wonder if the colors are kind of doing it in, if it wasn't blue, pink, and orange, if it was maybe different colors. But... I don't think that the bug-eyed mask is uh, is a great choice. This could look cool on a different character with different colors, but on her, it's just not very uh, just not very appealing, you know, compared to you know other things that she's worn. Um, and it too, I thought about that as well. I'm like, if this is like revenge armor that is that an Atlantean warrior is supposed to put on for like an honor duel of some kind, why does it fit her specifically so well? Right. And, it seems like a big coincidence, I guess, that uh, she could pick this up out of his uh, treasure trove of Atlantean artifacts. And it's like, oh, this fits me perfectly. Unless it's ancient Atlantean technology of some kind that like fits whoever puts it on, uh, that kind of thing. Who knows? But I agree. And I doubt this is from an old Submariner comic because it looks very 1990s. It's got straps. It's got yeah. claws. It's got random pieces of armor on it. So. What, one leg like has almost no armor. The other leg has got... Armor right. plus armor. I'll armor approach them with my right side, you know, facing. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's where the armor is. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to read Scott's comment talking about Vance uh, and um, Firestar because it was very, very good. Like most of Scott's comments usually are. Just saying interesting to see Vance with another character's father. Considering the abuse he gets from his own, this page is simultaneously cute and sad because he has reason to be afraid of dominating dads yeah, we might be visiting that subject in the near future. No one. I, I will say that, that, that crossed my mind when I read the scene. I was like, it's it's probably gonna be like, even though the dad is kind of being threatening, it's almost playful threatening, and Vance can totally tell the difference because he knows what real threatening feels like, and I think that's yep. why he was able to, you know, kind of go with it and come out unscathed. Yeah, he was more nervous than scared. Yep, uh, a comic full adds. I get the coloration going for an undersea vibe, but it doesn't work in this fashion for a superhero outfit. 
Um, and Courtney adds, hey, it's Auburn colors. Y'all can't hate too much. Uh, did you get it from Aquaman? Uh, well, uh, Courtney, Namor is basically the equivalent of Aquaman in Marvel Universe. Uh, and yeah, I, I personally am not crazy about the costume either. It's a little bit of a um, eyesore. I think it would have probably worked better. You know, they're trying to do the thing to tie her back to her Atlantean root. I get that. Uh, but what they could have done is maybe have her like, you know, do some ritual in that armor and then say, you know, like, I'm going to take a blood oath out to kill sea urchin and then go from there rather than having her, you know, in the water where she normally is. Like you wouldn't put on an armor to I don't know, just seems it does seem a little bit weird and disjointed. I agree. And one thing that I do think is neat about it though is like we were talking big easy brought up action figures you know this would be like that chase figure like to find the one of her in the atlanta armor that would be kind of cool you know in, in a sense mm -hmm. so yeah. i could see it from like if they did action figures uh point of view uh well, i also want to give big big props to the sub mariner on this one because she was like battered and beaten down and, and humiliated and she's like i'm swearing out this vengeance and he's like what's going on she's like I'm gonna kill sea urchin and kudos to namor for not just stopping and going took an l to sea urchin <laughs> 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 give me the give me the armor back give, give, give. <laughs> well, you bring up a good point uh you know something i forgot to mention with the uh, you know sea urchin himself when he first emerges when they first introduce him here it does he gets introduced like he's appeared before and he hasn't i actually looked it up he ends up appearing i was wondering in some, some defenders comics later on he pops back up apparently i haven't read that um so he does have some life after new warriors but they do treat it like oh jeremy swimming bear the sea urchin and it's like you've never like mentioned this guy before and you're acting like we should all know who he is i guess um so he kind of comes out of nowhere i like how his Ooh. his regular government name is more compelling than his super villain name yeah actually <laughs> i <laughs> Be more scared of Jeremy Swimming Bear than this. <laughs> like a swimming yeah, bear like, like scary, it's swimming right at you. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. I, if I saw a bear swimming at me, I would be terrified. Right? Yeah, but absolutely. Well, on Twitter a while back, I did send uh, Delvin a picture of an actual sea urchin. Do you remember that, uh, Delvin? I do. And they're mm -hmm. also known as sea hedgehogs. Hmm. And they're these little spiky ball things is oh, what I'm they familiar. are. So they're, yeah. they're not terribly intimidating, although they can be very uh, poisonous and they mm. can uh, really hurt someone in the water. But, you know, not a very intimidating animal to name yourself after. A bear <laughs> go is with the bear. Go with the bear. Go with the bear. bear. Yeah. <laughs> Always right. go with the bear. <laughs> Uh, unless you guys think Delvin from the comments, go All for right. it. Moving on, uh, the rematch. I picked the rematch fight scene because mainly uh, two things. One, artistically, I think it's incredibly good. Uh, again, uh, Bagley and De La Rosa are doing great teamwork here. I mean, just look at like it, it from an artistic point of view, especially that second panel. You've got to draw tech with impact, with motion underwater, which includes bubbles and wave lines and. I just think all this underwater action is is done incredibly well. Also, you get the sense going from panel to panel, even with all this action, that 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 you know he's he's ascending, which it's like in that's exactly what he's doing. He's ascending a tad mm -hmm. too fast, actually. And uh, so I picked it for that artistically, and for this being the moment where she realized that uh, maybe being a stone cold killer isn't in her blood. Yep, uh, you know that's one of those defining moments of who she is and who she is not because. They definitely ginned up the anger. She had a reason to, a couple of reasons, to be very angry, possibly to the point 
of killing someone and that she's thought or not she thought she saw that sea urchin was in her mind raping that's the word she used i mean you can't get a more powerful ugly word than that was raping her heritage and so she was furious about that and then when she tried to stop it in any way she got completely humiliated and embarrassed and beaten to within an inch of her life and even despite all of that she had sea urchin dead to rights and still couldn't do it. So that was a pretty good defining moment for Namorita as to the type of heroine that she is. She's just like, I, I can, I want to see this person punished. I do not wish to see this person. Jason, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, it definitely does set her apart. You know, this is the era where you've got characters like Punisher and Wolverine, you know, becoming very popular. And, you know, those are guys who have no compunctions about killing their enemies, especially in Punisher's case and uh, Wolverine if he has no choice. And for her to kind of set herself apart and say, no, I'm going to take the more uh, high, you know, the high road here, going to be more of a moral person. I'm not a murderer. I don't have it in me to do this um, is is really good, I think, in this era and uh, really sets her apart as a true hero, really shows us kind of like her heroic character. Um, I also like something else, too, about this uh, fight scene. I don't think that they, because you mentioned earlier uh, that that dehydration weapon that he used on her in their first fight was so effective because it just totally took her down and she uh, lost all her strength. And I like here that they don't show him trying to use it. And I like that they don't even talk about it because when you think about it, it's not going to work underwater. You know, she's submerged in the water. They don't even have to go there. You know, they don't have to like, you know, insult our intelligence by even talking about it. Mm -hmm. uh, so I like yeah. that he's pulling out all these other weapons and he's desperate. Um, but it does underscore that like, yeah, you know, you should have uh, flown through the water. It's, it's like swam to catch the boat instead of uh, flying through the air because uh, she did a lot better against him this time. In fact, I'd say she won pretty easily uh, this time compared to before. So it's like, yeah, if you've done things a different way, you know, maybe uh, maybe that wouldn't have happened. Um, so, but yeah, yeah, I agree. And Bagley's depiction, I like the panel. Um, it's not on this particular page. There's a panel of sea urchin. Uh, he's basically quickly going back up to the surface to get away from her and they show this they show him receding up she's kind of down looking up at him and he's off in the distance uh flying upward and there's kind of like this whirlpool of water uh going around him and uh, it just looks really cool and they show her kind of getting pushed downward by the water uh that's being uh, displaced by him going up so yeah there's a lot of thought put into this because a lot of times comic book artists uh, when they have underwater scenes it's just like they're moving around and operating just like they're out in the open air and <laughs> Mm -hmm. uh, in this case, Bagley clearly put a lot of thought into it. So, you know, that's why Bagley's Bagley. Absolutely. Got a couple comments. A comic full says, I really enjoy these panels as they kept the coloration dark. Appropriate for how deep underwater they are, but also a dark a moment that Nita is going through. Uh, Scott adds that she's overcompensating in her defense of Atlantean artifacts and pulls back when she realizes that she's more upset with herself not fitting in or not feeling like a true Atlantean. She doesn't want to kill him because of what he did, but rather because she wants to feel like a real Atlantean. Jared, do you have one more? I think I counted six in my head. I, you're good at this. Yeah, I do. And and real quick before we move on, I also want to point out the person that makes the comics that gets the least amount of love, the letterer. Very mm -hmm. cool that he went with an underwater lettering style for when she's speaking because she would, have to use, she would have to use a different tone you know for that so i think that's really cool all yeah, right good point. my final page is is this the final page yes it is the final it page is. uh this was you know just sort of the bringing it all together 
moment. I, I just, I, I thought it was really well done with Namor. Like you said, in this era, he's more businessman. He's uh, using his rational brain more than his emotional brain at this point. He is the rock that she needs at this moment. And, you know, kudos to him for realizing that and being that person. Like, we both know how hot-headed he can be and how hot-headed a lot of writers take him. You know, uh, half the writers have been like, yeah, let's go kill him together, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's really good that, like, you know, we've talked about she kind of struggles with where she fits in and she needs, even as powerful and as tough and as cool as she is, she needs uh, a rock. And he's that rock for her at that moment. I thought... That's that's good tender storytelling. Very nice. Go for it, Jason. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, Namor is also a character caught between two worlds, the surface world and the underwater world, not really belonging to both. You know, one of those classic kind of characters. And, you know, but he's older and more experienced at it than her. So it's kind of interesting. Um, I think it's very realistic. Uh, very cool. They show her, uh, like you said, kind of leaning on him, going to him, confiding in him about how she feels. Uh, what's really interesting to me is I'm pretty sure that up until now, she hasn't expressed these misgivings that she has about her place in the world and how she feels torn between two worlds. And, uh, you know, what what is her place? You know, up until this point, Namorita has been a very confident character and seemed very at home in the surface world when you think about it, because she's going to college on the surface world. She's involved in environmental causes on the surface world. Uh, she's with a super team, you know, on the surface world. She likes to spend money. She likes to shop. Uh, they've shown those, those sides of her before. We've never seen her express these kind of misgivings. So a little bit, kind of like Sea Urchin as a villain, this stuff about her and, uh, you know, her personality and the conflict she has within her kind of comes out of nowhere. Um, but it is good to for us to see, you know, maybe what's kind of been happening kind of behind the scenes in her mind, you know, maybe this whole time, the stuff we don't know about her. Um, I do kind of wonder if uh, the writers of the Namor comic maybe had some influence here to say, hey, Namorita needs to act more this way. Can you put some of that in there? Sure, we can do that. I don't know. Or, you know, it could just be... Um, you know, Fabian Nicieza just saying, you know, Namorita hasn't gotten a lot of conflict yet as far as her character. Let's put something in here. Let's start something. And uh, this is definitely the beginning of that. Jason, uh, Scott had a comment a little bit back talking about that and just said um, he was mentioning a previous moment, but it has to do with the subject. Just saying it's a nice throwback to a combo between Nita and Firestar earlier where Nita talks about how she acts different uh, with her cousin than with the Warriors. Mm -hmm. So it she talked about it somewhat like yeah. uh, but this fleshed out a little bit about how and why and then it did get to talk about uh the conflict either um yeah that is it, it's definitely tough i mean I, I i like i especially like how namor was depicted he was the more calm rational one in this case um and it's going to be years from now, but uh, Namor is going to revisit the new warriors and it's not the same dude. Let's just say that. And uh, in, in this version of Namor, though, he was more businesslike, calm, uh, relaxed and reasonable, uh, but not so much that he stopped uh, Namorita from doing what she could or to, for going out and maybe getting her revenge. But he trusted her enough to find her way. And then once she came back, he gave her counsel, and, and Namorita is just a little bit torn between who she is as well, uh, which kind of adds to that angst and, and, and overall, um, 
you know, good New Warriors goodness that I were used to. Jared, did you have something to add? I, I did. It's 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 the the character of Namor is so much fun to play with. I, I, Barbie's glad to hear you say he's coming back because I would, and I, I doesn't sound like he's going to fulfill this role, but I would love to see him be more involved as a mentor to the team. You know that that sagely, a guy who's been there before. But one of the great things about Namor, just as a character, as you were talking, I realized this: if she had killed Sea Urchin and came back and said, "I fulfilled the Blood Oath," I think Namor would have been like, "Cool." <laughs> Like I don't think he would have been upset at all, and and then, but it's like he he's a good rock because he, either way, like you said, he was allowing her to be her. If she said I killed him, he would have been like you did what you had to do. And, but she said I couldn't bring myself to do it, and he said I'm proud of you. You know, he, he, either way, he's just such a cool character. I like Namor. That's the summary of what I'm going with. Here. Yep. Uh, comic foil ads. Go for it, Jason. You had a comment? Oh no, I didn't. Nope. Okay. A comic full ads, uh, they do give a nod to Byrne, John Byrne, writer, artist of the Namor series on the first page. Uh, the quote was, thanks to John Byrne for the key, which opened the lock to the treasure inside. Oh, uh, and Scott asked just the question about um, would the letterer have drawn the uh, scroll design for the Atlantean poem? Um, or would that have been Bagley? My guess is the letterer, but I'm betting Jared might know. I, I was going to say, I mean, this is supposition on my part, and kudos to me for using supposition in a sentence tonight. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I would think it would be the letter. But, you know, I, I make some comics with a guy named Mark Hatherley, and Mark sometimes writes in his own sound effects instead of letting the letter do it. So it could be the artist. But I would think something sort of that long form, probably the letter. I, I'm saying 90% chance it's the letter, but I'm guessing. Okay, nice. Well... We've run slightly long, but it's been an excellent discussion. I didn't, I didn't want to interrupt that by any means, and I, I know I sure as heck enjoyed it. But, Jared, go ahead and take over the script from here, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It is time for us to discuss the ultimate warrior and the ultimate worrier. So uh, we will start with the ultimate warrior. Who do you think was the shining star of the issue? I suppose we can start with our guest, Jason. Who who do you think really shined bright like a sea urchin? That metaphor didn't work, but you know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> sure. You know, uh, kind of going back to what I said earlier about that scene between Nova, Night Thrasher, and Silhouette at the mall food court, and just showing us how far Night Thrasher has come. I would say he's the ultimate warrior for this issue for me. Nice. I love that character development. I love that you can look back, uh, you know, 14 issues earlier than this, and you could just see how far he's come where he's just becoming this team player. He's becoming a guy that can work well with others. He's seeing the error of his ways and he's growing and maturing, um, you know, as people do, you know, um, as they, as they grow in age and uh, you're seeing that with him and you're seeing the the team have a positive impact on him. Um, so I think he's my ultimate warrior uh, for this issue. I'm going to go ahead and chime in. I'm going to say that I'm giving it to Sea Urchin. Sorry. I mean, he whooped Namorita's butt in a way that he whooped her so bad, even Speedball later is like, and so I, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's bad if, like, you know, your, your teammate looked at you and was like, she whooped. So, yeah, uh, I'm going to give it to Sea Urchin because he did have his day until he didn't. But, like, that moment in the sun, he was shining pretty brightly. What do you think, Jared? To no one's surprise, I'm going to give it to Namor. I love the character. I love how he was in this issue. Um, just, you know, really cool to see him part of it. And I've kind of been looking for that. New Warriors, it's got Namorita. I'd love to see, like I said, I'd love to see Namor come in 
as a mentorship role. I'm reminded of the Titans comic in the late 90s, early 2000s, where it was all the new young heroes and Cyborg was the guy who was like the mentor role to the team. I'd love to see that. I know it's not going to happen, but eh, Namor. Cool. Shall I get to the warrior? Are there warriors in the chat we must address? Nope, go for it. All right, let's get to the ultimate warrior. Who are we worried about? Who's struggling? Who do we have concerns about? Jason, what do you think? You know, for me, it's Namorita in this issue. She she goes through a lot <laughs> in this issue, a lot of trauma. She's very angry. Uh, at the end, she's very conflicted. Uh, she's very torn between her her human and Atlantean heritage. And you just got to wonder. I mean, I know because I've read the rest of the series, but you got to wonder, where is it going to go from here? Because this seems like a turning point uh, for her. And will things get better for her or will they get worse? You really don't know. You have to wait and find out. So I would say she's the ultimate uh warrior that i'm worrying about <laughs> at this point i will go ahead and say i agree i'm worried about namorita too i mean she's going through you know a personal identity crisis and whereas in the past you know they've shown her as being you know a beautiful very confident young woman in college and there was a lot of turmoil uh, boiling underneath that we uh had not really known about until this point i'm glad that they gave her the spotlight uh this issue because uh she was neglected in the storyline the previous three issues so it was very good that they brought her into the limelight and gave her a little bit of character development before you go jared a uh, comic foil just happened to mention ultimate warrior was nita uh praised uh, fabian nizesa for giving her a depth and vulnerability that we haven't seen before uh, from the character and that uh he will continue to build from here too um Courtney adds uh, warrior and worried about sea urchin. Uh, and let's see, that is it. Go ahead for your uh, ultimate warrior, Jerry. I'm going to be an original and, and go and name Marita. Although I really like the fact that I don't remember who it was just now that gave her the warrior. But yeah, she, she totally went uh, full Rocky Balboa. You know, it ain't about how hard you hit, about how hard you can get hit and keep on coming. I like that. But I do worry about her because she's, um, like you said, Delvin, she's used to being A, royalty, B, gorgeous, C, super strong, unstoppable. I feel like we just watched her first true loss. And mm -hmm. we've all known that person, especially you and I, Delvin, being military people. We've all known that person who just has all the confidence in the world and they're great, you know, officer or enlisted or whatever, great soldier. And they experience their first loss, and sometimes that can really, really hurt. Uh, one of the life's greatest lessons is learning to lose, and it's tough when you have to wait that late in life to mm. learn that. So, yeah, a little worried about. It. Nice. And now that that is done, we should rate the thing uh, one to ten. Uh, been an excellent discussion, gents. Really have enjoyed it. Uh, but let's rate it one to ten. New Warriors fourteen. Jason, you were first. What would you rate it? Uh, let's see, kind of like my rating for the cover. I'm going to put it, you know, maybe in the middle, but kind of like, you know, the good side of the middle, if that makes sense. So it's a long-winded mm -hmm. way of saying, I think I'll give this issue a seven. Uh, you know, it, it, it loses some points for me because there is some stuff that kind of comes out of left field with Namorita's characterization as well as Sea Urchin. Uh, but, you know, some of the stuff with her characterization and the turning point that it is for her also raises it up. 
you know, in my opinion, too. It's a very harrowing story uh, that she's in here. And so I think that uh, that gets it a pretty high rating for me. And also, I really like the other vignettes of the other warriors, too. Uh, just having these very human, really touching moments of Vance and uh, Firestar on the date. And uh, like I said earlier, I have nothing but good stuff to say about Night Thrasher giving Nova the costume and uh, them having that moment of uh, forgiving, you know, of, uh, you know, forgiving and reconciling there. And I like the banter between Darkhawk and Speedball, too, you know, where they they're each each of them are like, we've never heard of each other. Oh, we need a new PR firm. You know, I kind of liked all those moments throughout it, too. So that raises it up in my estimation as well. Nice. Go for it, Jared. What would you rate? New Warriors 14. This may come as a shock to you, so brace yourself. Uh, I've given this a nine. This is one of my favorite issues I've read so far. Uh, I think that comes to my bias. I'm much more biased to individual books than team books, and this one had more of an individual book feel. Um, I-, I would probably even go with a 10 if it wasn't for Dark Hawk. Don't get me wrong. I love Dark Hawk, but mm-hmm. he just felt shoehorned in there. Like I really kind of wish they waited another day to bring him in. And, and I'm kind of hoping he revisits the New Warriors. He fits in so well in this era of that age Doesn't group, he? of the age group, of the time. Like, I hope we see more of him hanging out with the team. So we'll uh, just guys have are, to wait and see. Guys are smiling. I, I, I mean, I mean, Jared. <laughs> Is he on the shirt? <laughs> he, he's, on, he's on the oh, shirt. Well, he then. made it on the shirt. <laughs> well, then. Made but no, I, it, you know, half of it is my 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 love of the character Namor. The other half is I just I really like this whole drill down uh, focus on one character. It, it just really spoke to me. I'm giving it a nine. I really liked it. I'm actually with you there, Jared. Um, I'm with it. I'm giving it a nine too uh, because, like I mentioned, I like the spotlight that was on Namorita too, uh, and I like the depth that they gave her. It just they hinted at it maybe a little bit before and uh they just established a little bit of background and depth to her and and i think what you said really struck true as well you know how is she going to react after such a devastating uh defeat i mean the guy like sea urchin did everything he could to humiliate her he could have killed her and he didn't he just dumped her in the ocean like trash and it was and then between that and her identity issues and then what she then she overcompensated with the whole thing about the Atlantean heritage, which technically Sea Urchin had the right to scavenge that stuff. So, like, I mean, it's all of that combined, like, gets to that, like, New Warriors y goodness of, like, it is supposed to be that ethical dilemma in the middle. Cause you're like, was Sea Urchin wrong here? He wasn't the nicest dude, but was he illegal? No, yeah, it's like he busted into a museum and stole stuff. He found stuff that was laying around. (laughs) Yeah, he wasn't illegal. It wasn't ethical. Eh. So, Lord, we could talk. uh, If anything, the fact that we've gone 75 minutes talking about this, uh, you know, even our introduction was about 60 minutes of that, then it just shows (laughs) like what the depth was in this book. And so, like, that alone uh, gives it a nine. Uh, A comic foil gave it an eight. Said a great character building issue and some nice side stories from others on the team. But coming on the heels of Forever Yesterday, it doesn't hit the same highs that delivered. Scott gave it a nine in terms of single issues. This is one of his uh, favorite issues in the whole series. Great balance, by the way, uh, character and action. Courtney gave it a 10 and said uh, lots of battle and also battle within oneself 
she said it the best in the less, least amount of words. That was very, very good. <laughs> well Courtney. done, Courtney. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and let's see. Oh, um, just one more addition uh, for a warrior. Uh, a comic fool gave the warrior, excuse me, to Darkhawk and just said, did he do anything in this issue? Stood out, uh, stood on the sidelines, didn't inspire me to pick up his own book yeah. Uh, he had one baller that. pose. That was about it. He like had that baller pose. That was a great pose. <laughs> he had a misunderstanding fight with Dame Marita. He did that. <laughs> it, the it, wrong was so, it was so misunderstood that Speedball broke it up. Like, y'all, yeah. for real? Speedball's the voice of reason. Yeah. Yes, I did pick up on that. Like, really? Speedball had to be like the mature one? <laughs> right. right. Okay, y'all. We are going to close out the show. Please come back and join us for the next episode where we discuss New Warriors 15 and we see Cyanex and Gene Tech return so you know hijinks will ensue. If you'd like to hear more from us, Longbox Crusade, y'all, we are everywhere. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Patreon. You look for Longbox Crusade, you're going to find us. Uh, we, of course, have podcasts. Uh, if you follow us there in podcast land, any podcatcher, you're probably going to find Longbox Crusade if you look for it. YouTube, we are adding stuff all the time, like this live stream. We are starting to add our shows as they filter down, too. Uh, so you have every opportunity to listen. And please, if you happen to be listening to this live stream, Courtney Holland was so nice to mention it a couple of times. Please click like so maybe more people can look at it and get to uh, hear some New Warriors goodness and maybe get to uh, listen to the Longbox Crusade. And please, please, please follow as well, because the more follows we get, the more exposure that we can get, and the more people can look uh, and um, listen to uh, the love that we are bringing to certain properties across the comic book world. Uh, there's an email address as well. Contact at longboxcrusade.com. Special shout out to our Crusaders Club members. We have a Patreon, as I mentioned before, $1 a month, and you can join it. And we give you stuff that is way more commensurate than that $1 a month. I promise you. Uh, there's it's a, a bad phone business number. Model. It's a bad business. <laughs> right? You know, we, like, we get a dollar, we give them like $10. Like, no wonder we're broke, man. Come on. <laughs> and uh, we have a phone number as well that you can leave a voice message and Jared will tell you what that number is. It is scrolling across the bottom of your screen. It's 707-532-5269, 707-532-LBOX. Pick up the phone. <laughs> okay, I like the whisper. It's very seductive, Jared. <laughs> Jason, thank you so much, dude. Like, you're, you're awesome. We appreciate it. Like, here's your time to pimp out any of your products and tell people where you can be found on the internet. Sure thing. No, thanks for having me. Anytime I can get together and talk uh, comics that I loved uh, from back in the day with people that appreciate them, I, I'll take that opportunity. Um, but as far as uh, what I have going on, I like what was mentioned uh, at the beginning. Um, I am a writer of books for uh, children, uh, middle grade uh, kids specifically. And I have uh, two books, uh, Monster Problems, as well as Super Problems, which does have superheroes in it. But uh, the theme of these books is a middle schooler gets a magic pen. Everything they draw with it becomes real and shenanigans Ooh. ensue. You can learn more about me and my books at my website. Uh, it's www.jasonrlady.com. And uh, you can learn more about my books and me there. And I made it through the whole live stream without doing my ladies' man impression. It's a lady. <laughs> I meant to do it at the start. <laughs> 
we talked about name arena. No, but I've heard sandwich. every joke by this point in my life. There's <laughs> a fish sandwich tie-in joke here with name Rita. Oh, it was yeah, all there. It, I've had dude, ladies they're, they're... white sung to me. I've had lady in red sung to me. I've had dude looks like a lady sung to me. <laughs> There, there, there were a, there was a lot of fruit left on the vine, all low there hanging. <laughs> I appreciate Jared. that. You could have left that alone, you know. <laughs> Jared, please tell us where you can be found, sir. I'm at Yard Sale Artist Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram is all at Yard Sale Artist. You can check out my wares at www.theyardsaleartist.com. I also wrote a book called Monster Problems, another one called Super Problems. So this is going to get based. <laughs> no, um, I I tell you what though, I do these book page sketches at you know theyardsaleartist.com. Right, I draw characters on on book pages, and I had somebody ask for New Warriors characters. And to my knowledge, there's no New Warriors like novels or prose. I've 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 been looking because I thought that would be cool to draw them on some of those pages. If anybody's got any leads on that, I figured this would be the forum to let let me know. But I have Googled and searched and I can't seem to find them. You know, there is a a Facebook page uh, that that's a New Warriors forum there. Uh, Maybe we can ask the questionnaire, Jared, see if we can get you some books. Good thinking. I, I don't know that they exist, but I'd be happy to be pointing in the right direction. Sweet. And... I can be found on Twitter at DEE underscore RAY 1977. It's funny. I had to bring up the script just to remember my own Twitter handle. (laughs) God bless me. Uh, See you all next time. And remember, be a hero to someone, even if it's just to yourself. Till next time, new warriors. I'm out to play. (laughs) Night, everybody. New Warriors, come out to play. music is provided by musical genius joe november check out his soundcloud at j-o-s-e-f-l-i-n-9-9 you won't regret it